So today we continue in the series we're calling Adulting 101 and we're thinking about some of the issues that face Generation Z as they grow into adulthood. But in a way, I think those of us who are new to adulting or have been at it for a while, there's things that we can learn from this. And so today I want us to deal with one of the things that really is pervasive in our culture and that's social media and how on social media we tend to flex. Well, what do we mean by that? That's another one of the words that maybe some of us don't use as often as others, but to flex online is to, to show off, right? To show how good we look or how good we are or how great our life is. And social media, whichever platform you use, is pretty much built for that, right? So you show pictures of this great new outfit you got, your new car, your new house, your new apartment, your new boyfriend, girlfriend, baby, children, grandchildren, whatever it is you're really proud of, you put a picture on Facebook, right? That's what we do. And what that tends to do is project an image, right? So we, we project this image of my life is awesome. Now, maybe inside we know it's not quite as awesome as we're trying to make it look, but that's the goal. And so we project this image of everything is super cool and everything is great. Now, what we also do is look on the social media of other people, people that we know, people that are our friends or our family, and we go, man, their life is way more awesome than mine, right? But what are they doing? They're projecting an image too. They're making their life look just a little or maybe a lot better than it really is. But we don't put that through our filter, do we? We just look on their social media and say, man, they have got it so good. And we don't really process the fact that maybe it's not quite as good as they're making it seem. But when we do that, what do we do? We start to compare my life what I have, what's going on in, in my job, my family, my stuff, compared to that person. And it just might feel like we're missing out. It might feel like they've got it so good that I'm missing something important in life. And I might be a little jealous of the life that that person is living. And I might even say, that's not fair, right? What have they done to deserve way more than what I've got? I'm a good person, okay? I'm nice to my family and my friends, and I go to church, and why are they getting all this stuff, and my life is not as awesome as theirs? I don't get it. What do we do with that? How do we deal with that? Well, today I want us to think a little bit about that because I think it's really common both for Generation Z and lots of us who have, have intervened between that generation and the generation that you might find yourself in, and it's something that we face all the time. And one of the ways that we really do deal with that is in terms of money, stuff, okay? The life that I have based on what I have. Let's think about that a little bit today. And I think there are some scriptures that can help us deal with that. A couple passages that we might be able to turn to when we feel like, I mean, life has not turned out exactly like I wanted it to. I don't have the stuff or I don't have the relationships that I was hoping to have. The first passage that I want us to turn to is found in Hebrews 13. We'll get there in just a second. But Hebrews is a great book. You know, it's an interesting book because it's one of the few books in the New Testament. We just don't know who wrote it, right? 
Because the letters of Paul say, I, Paul, and it lays it out. We know Paul wrote that letter. Hebrews, there's nobody who signs it. Nobody who says, this is my letter. We know it's written to early Christian Jews. Okay? It's written by an early Jewish Christian. So Jewish Christian writing to Jewish Christians. And the writer is laying out most important, Jesus is the Messiah. That's the clear message of the book of Hebrews from beginning to end. All right? So that, that's the big picture. But then we have some smaller things that show up. Okay, if, if Jesus is the Messiah, if Jesus is the one that God has been pointing to from the beginning, how do we live our lives serving this Messiah? Because in some ways, he's not what people expected. So it changes the way that they lived. And so the writer of Hebrews lays that out. And in chapter 13, he talks about first, well, one of the things you got to do is be sexually pure. So he deals with that. And then he begins to think about the stuff that we have. And we find this in verse 5. The writer, sell, the writer says, keep your lives free from the love of money. And be content with what you have. Because God has said, never will I leave you, never will I forsake you. So we say with confidence, the Lord is my helper. I will not be afraid. What can mere mortals do to me? Now as we think about how we compare our lives with the lives of others, both in terms of money and what we have, but maybe in the broader sense of the job they have, the family they have, the friends they have, the look they have, all that other stuff. So if we think about what the writer is saying here, he's telling us two important things, all right? He says, first of all, keep yourselves free from the love of money. Well, that's pretty hard to do, right? Have you ever struggled with that a little bit? Because money is the basis for so much. Money is the basis for the car we drive, the clothes we wear, the house we live in. All those things are based in money. Well, it's hard not to love money when money provides so much. Money makes us feel secure. Money gives us status. All those things, and yet the writer says, don't fall in love with it. Pretty hard to do. But then he also says, be content with what you have. Similar thing, but said just in a slightly different way. So look at what you have and recognize that you do have a lot and be happy with that. Be content with that. Say, that is enough. I think that's really hard for us as Americans, maybe as human beings, but especially as Americans, for us to say. To say, I'm satisfied. I have enough. Because it always feels like no matter how much we have, and again, this could be money, but I think it relates to lots of areas of life, we could always say, I'd like a little more. Okay, I, won, I just won the lottery, but I'd like just a little bit more, right? What we have is never really enough to satisfy us. Because we sort of fallen into believing this myth that more will always be better. But what the writer of Hebrews is telling us is, be content with what you have. Be satisfied with what God has given you. Say to yourself, it is enough. Now, he says all that, 
And that, that's all pretty difficult, I think, for us to do because we live in a culture that is so based in what we can get, all right? So, so I think it's hard for us to say, but, but then he gives us a little motivation, a little something to stand behind all that, and we've got to work through it to really get at what he's saying here. So he says, don't love money, okay? Don't get caught up in that sort of wanting more, always thinking you need more. Be content, say, I have enough. And then why can we say that? He says it this way. Because God has said, never will I leave you, never will I forsake you. So we say with confidence, the Lord is my helper. I'll not be afraid. So he says, you know, don't love money. Be content. And the way you do that is because God is with you. And at first we say, what does that have to do with anything? I mean, first we might want to say, yeah, I get that God is with me, but I'd rather have the cash, okay? Leanne's grandfather was famous for doing this. You know, he had like 29 grandchildren, and he got all these gifts every Christmas, and it got to the point that what do you get him, okay? He's got, he's got everything he needs, and so he got all, this was the days before gift cards, he would get a lot of gift certificates, and he'd open one up and he'd say, can I go to the store and cash this in and just get the cash, you know? And, and maybe we're a little like that. We'd, we'd rather have the cash. What does God's presence do for us in this? Well, I think it's based in this. Our lack of contentment, our sense that everybody else has more, all that is based in fear. We have a fear of not having enough. If you've ever gone through a time in your life, either as a child or as an adult, where there just wasn't enough, it's scary. We're, we're afraid. Am I going to keep this place to live? Am I going to have enough to eat? Am I going to be able to provide for my family? Are my parents going to be able to provide for me? All that stuff. And we get a little afraid of all of it. And so there's a fear of not having enough. There's a fear that somehow we're going to miss out on an important part of life that other people are experiencing. They're getting the big trip to Europe. I'm not. They just got the new car. I don't. Their house is a lot bigger than mine. I'm missing out. There's a fear that I'm going to live life and I'm going to miss out on what everybody else is experiencing. And so the writer of Hebrews is saying the key here the key to not loving money and the key to finding contentment is recognizing the presence of God. And here's why. Because God is greater than our fear. Because in the face of our fear that there won't be enough, or in the face of the fear that someone else is going to get to experience stuff that I don't get to experience, we need something that helps us dispel that fear. We need a force at work in our lives that can help us overcome the fear that we create in ourselves. And the only way that really happens is when we recognize God's presence. And when we depend on God. And when we say, God is going to provide. Not that God's going to provide everything I ever wanted, but that God provides for my needs. That God gives me enough. I can be satisfied in what God has given. That's how God's presence changes all this. One other passage I want us to look at, and it's in Philippians chapter 4. 
This is Paul writing. And Paul's under arrest in the circumstance. We've actually looked at this passage before, but I think it speaks to this clearly. He says, I know what it is to be in need, and I know what it is to have plenty. Paul's experienced both, okay? Maybe you have too. You've been through a time when there really didn't seem to be enough, and you've been through a time where, yeah, you'd love to have more, but you weren't really worried about money. Paul knows that too. I have learned the secret to being content in any and every situation, whether well-fed or hungry, whether living in plenty or in want. Paul says, I know how to do this. Okay? I've been in the moment where there was not enough and I was hungry. And Paul, we know, has, if you read the story of Paul in the book of Acts, you find that Paul goes through some times that are really difficult. Okay? When he was lacking not just for stuff, but for people to support him, all that is there. All right? He could easily have sort of looked at others and said, they've got more. And he's been in moments where he had plenty. And he knows the secret to finding contentment, being satisfied. He knows the secret to saying, I have enough in all of those circumstances. So what is it? Verse 13. I can do all this through him who gives me strength. And who is that? We're back to God. Now, to me, this passage is a great comfort because I think we struggle with contentment. Again, in lots of areas of life, not just the stuff that we have, but in lots of areas of life. And so Paul says the secret to being content when you have nothing and when you have everything is really simple. It's God at work in your life. When you recognize the presence of God in your life, you can find contentment. Because if God is at work, nothing matters more than that. And if God is at work through His Spirit, He can help you find the contentment that you're seeking out. Paul recognized that. The writer of Hebrews recognized that. And so what's our lesson for today? It's this. Contentment comes from trust. Contentment comes from trust. If we want to find real contentment, if we want to get to the point that we can say, I have enough, it comes when we put our trust in God. If we put our trust in money, we're always going to want a little more because a little more money will make us feel more secure. A little more money will allow us to do more. A little more money will buy us nicer clothes and a bigger house and a better car. A little more will always be better than what we have now. But when we trust God, that God has provided what we need and that God will continue to provide what we need and I've got to learn to live within God's provision, then I can find real contentment. And that's where God can help me walk through that. Three truths, really quickly, that I think can help us find this kind of contentment and overcome this sense that everybody's life is better than mine. First is this. People who are content, sort of, they see these things. First of all, I am blessed. Now that's, that's like a simple truth, isn't it? But when we look in our lives and recognize that, it leads to contentment. Now, how many of you, is it easy to focus on, rather than what you do have, what you don't have? Real easy for me. Really easy to focus in life on, rather than all this stuff that's going great in life, the stuff that is headed in the right direction, 
the one or two things that are sort of messed up at the moment? Where does your attention go? Well, if you're like me, it's not on all the stuff that God is doing for me and all the stuff that's right in the great ways that God has blessed me. It's on these two or three little things that are sort of nagging at me, that I really want to solve, that I can't figure out, that I can't do on my own. Instead of that, if we want to find contentment, we've got to trust God, and that means in part looking at what God has already done and seeing that God has already blessed us in some pretty amazing ways. We all got here some way this morning. Either we had a vehicle of our own that we drove here, or we've got a friend who loves us enough to pick us up and bring us here. Well, that's a blessing. We were all well enough to get here today. Maybe you don't feel great, but you got here. I'm glad. Okay? Most of us had breakfast this morning. There was some food in the house that we ate. And most of us know we're not going to miss lunch. All those things are a blessing. Most of us are here today with someone that we love. Or there are people that we were looking forward to seeing when we got here. That's a blessing. Okay? All these things that we could add up and name all day long that we sometimes forget help us to see I am blessed. Second, this is an important one. Life will never be perfect. But I want it to be. Tough, right? It's not going to be. There's always going to be something that's not exactly right. There's going to be something that someone has that you want that you know you're never going to get. It's just life. There's always going to be something that's not exactly right in the world of relationships. And I'm sorry. Life, relationships, the stuff we have will never be perfect. And the sooner we recognize that, the sooner we can find contentment in what God is already doing in our lives. If we're expecting perfection, if we're expecting all the worries to disappear, if we're expecting to have all the stuff we've ever wanted, to experience all the things that our friends and family seem to be experiencing, we will always be discontent. But when we recognize, you know what, life is not perfect, but it can still be great because God has blessed me, then we're on the road to contentment because we're trusting God and contentment comes from trust and then the third one we show our dependence on God in prayer okay when I go to God and say God you blessed me in amazing ways I'm admitting these blessings are not because of something I've done okay I may have worked hard for some of it but the truth is still it's all God's God has put us in positions so where we can work, where we can earn. God has put us in positions where we have relationships. God gives us all this, and when I thank God for it, I'm recognizing He's in control, not me. He's given me stuff I never deserved. God has blessed me beyond what I deserve. And when we ask God, we're saying, you know what, I'll never achieve this on my own. You see, contentment comes from trust, and when we're praying, we're expressing our trust in God. When we're praying, we're saying, God, we're just depending on you to provide what we need. 
and maybe we're asking God to help us find the contentment that we need. Okay? Contentment comes from trust. You know, if you get on social media this afternoon, you're going to see somebody flexing, right? You're going to see somebody showing something off that maybe you wish you had. Well, you can avoid all that and just skip all the social media, which most of you aren't going to do. Or you can recognize that God can do amazing things through what what may seem like ordinary, almost average lives. Not because there's something lacking, but because even in the ordinary, even in the everyday, God is at work. And when we recognize God at work, we begin to trust. And that trust leads me to be able to say, in terms of my relationships, in terms of my stuff, my money, my job, my friends, I have enough. Let's pray together. God, we are thankful for the way that you've blessed us. We're thankful for the way that you filled our lives with so many good things. And we confess that we don't always acknowledge that. So God, we're thankful for that. And we ask that you would help us through Christ, who strengthens us, to find contentment in what we have. And God, we acknowledge that we need your help. We ask that you would provide for our needs. And when you provide for our needs, that we would be content with that. I would pray it in Jesus' name. Amen. You know, the greatest gift that we have is Jesus' willingness to die for us on a cross. To start something new in us. And so today, if you're ready to come before him and accept this incredible gift of forgiveness a changed life here and a changed life for eternity. We'd love to walk with you in that journey. Journey of faith and repentance and forgiveness in baptism. If you're ready to do that, let us know. Come forward as we sing our invitation. Let's stand together.